1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, I just cut out, I think. Nope. Yeah, I just, well, anyway, welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm hosting this shindig. With me is Joe. He is also hosting this shindig. We host the shindig together. I'm saying shindig so much, it doesn't have any meaning anymore. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't really have much meaning for me in the first place, to be honest. I don't use the word shindig in conversation. Anyway, how you doing, Joe?
0: Uh, I'm dry, so therefore I'm good. Yeah, yes. it, it's It's
1: been a week for everybody involved. Uh, uh, so, yeah, um, I'm going to. No, I'm not. It's a sad. Yeah, we're just going to move on and talk about. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about what I think is the top story right now, which is that Echo uh, has killed Mythic Sylvanas world first. Um, good for them. About, it took about a week. I think it was eight days total. Um, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that because like I said, life has been, life has been a, f- of, you know, fire. It's like, it's literally been a car on fire driving down a flaming, you know, highway,
0: but f- 169 pulls uh, over. Yeah. It looks like a week.
1: So yeah. Um, a limit was right in there with them. Uh, but in the end, echo one, I think limit's going to have world second, which is, you know, still pretty good. Uh, I don't have a dog in this fight. Like people are going back and forth on who's going to get it, I, I, you know, stuff was happening in my life. But I do think it's, it's, it's cool to see it go down. Um, I do feel like it. It's not. We've had some some bosses that were like real meat grinders in the past uh, that were like just really hard to get by or get through. I, I feel this one worked out about the way people wanted it to. I did think it was a cool surprise that it, the fight doesn't end. At the same percentage on mm-hmm. Mythic, so you can't, you you couldn't like plan for it and you go, okay, we're here, boom, you know, doesn't get, it isn't done yet, so that was interesting. Do you have any thoughts about it? As somebody who does a lot of raid healing, did, have you watched it? What do you think?
0: So, he, this is where I'm probably going to get some flack. I legitimately don't care about the race to world first anymore. I haven't in a long time, uh, simply because there's a lot of um, real negative feelings around it and people, and it's just not fun for me anymore to sit and watch and speculate. Um, I Maybe it's just because I used to be that type of raider. I used to be trying to push for... It, it was server first back in the day. We didn't have a concept of world first um, because not everything rolled out in a way that you could do world first back then um but i spent so much time doing that and i i don't know if i'm just burned out on the idea of that type of level of rating but also like seeing people upset because they're getting benched bothers me um i'm just my mindset doesn't gel with it anymore now the people that are excited about it super happy for them uh super happy for the people that got the kill i hope that they they got what they wanted out of it I'm a much much more longer term like I would I'll take my time and and enjoy it while I can so
1: I will say this much and then we can move on to doing some of the we have a lot of emails this week so Good. Um I was actually
0: really surprised to see
1: three arms warriors yeah. on the
0: DPS in this fight. 3 Three Uh, Arms Warriors. Their healers were also, I think, three Paladins and I want to say two Discipline Um, You could could be. I wasn't looking at the healers. I was only
1: really looking at the the three Arms Warriors. Again, Arms Warriors on the DPS because they did a lot of DPS. Uh, One of them was number two. Another of them was like number four. And the third one was relatively far down, but he still did like almost six million damage. Like they all three of them were like, you know, it's around the six million mark uh two of them were above it and one of them was just below it. That's actually the conventional wisdom is often that one spec is not worth bringing.
0: Well, I think it's also and, because they're 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 uh stacking them with they were stacking them with Wind Fury they had to. And because oh they, yeah. had, they had a single enhancement shaman and three uh arms warriors, you they were they were best friends, guaranteed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have a problem with that. I just thought it was Sometimes we we get too caught up in what the meta is, and we re- we forget that the people who kind of the people who first come through don't have any real concept of what the meta is. They're just trying things, and, and it, I just was cool. I thought it was cool to see it. Um, I was a little bummed for Fury Warriors because you know, hey, I like both, and Titan's Grip is always going to be my favorite. But yeah, in general, uh, that was cool. But that's happened uh now we move on to the rest of patch 9.1 and we get to like go see all that stuff so you know cool yay let's go do that but in the meantime we're going to do some emails uh and other questions how about half of these are from our discord and about half our emails um so we're going to tell you those various ways you can get those questions to us the first is through brute force telepathy mm, yes i don't recommend that because my defenses are are very strong and even Charles Xavier once found himself pulled into the. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? God, I'm tired.
0: I was going to say, if anybody wants to try to enter in my mind, you know, mm. Godspeed, because that—that's a horrible choice. <laughs> Joe meets you at the gates to his mind in like a, you know, I'll open like the, I'll open the door, invite you in. You're going to run out screaming. Trust me. Pink luchador <laughs> mask with horns. Blue luchador mask. Thank you. Oh come on, man! I legitimately have one. It's not pink.
1: I just have to... In your dreams, it can be any color you want.
0: I have the mask I want, though. I, mm, we're, there'll be a picture on on Twitter later, folks. Don't worry.
1: Honestly, if I'm going to wear a Luchador mask again, it's definitely going to be pink. That's just... Um, I wrestled in high school, and we had we did some weird stuff. Anyway, <laughs> first thing you can do is you can send an email to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, so we know it's for this show, or you could do that thing where you ask us questions for both shows or, say, for either podcast. And then po- perhaps Joe and I will be breaking out those Lujudar masks in a, in a daring high-ring high you know, battle royale, which will show Joe like jumping off of the top rope and, and hitting me with the knee or something. Canadian and,
0: destroyer, 100%. Yeah, it's my yeah. finisher.
1: Because he needs to destroy a Canadian. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's... But if you don't uh, want to send us an email, possibly because you don't want to create some kind of wrestling match, which I would totally win, by the way.
0: Uh... <laughs> I mean, if we want to start cutting wrestling promos, Matt, we can start doing this. Joe!
1: I know you think you're going to win this match, but I don't care how
0: Spider-Man you are!
1: I'm going to pull you down from the... See, I can... This is why I can't be involved in this. Anyway, you can go to our Discord and uh, go to the... Uh, patron Q and Podcast Questions channel. Uh, if you're a patron and you can ask questions there, and we will go there and go like, yay, questions. Or you, if you're not a patron, you can still go to the Q Q Questions channel, and we do look there as well. Uh, there wasn't anything this week from that channel, so it might be a good way to get a question. And you could sneak it into the Q Questions channel. I'll be like, ah, hey, there's a question there for once. Um, but anyway, that's how you do it. Joe is gonna possibly, you know, cut a promo on me later. But right now, he's gonna read the emails to you. So.
0: Uh, Go ahead, Joe. Absolutely. And that's true. I control the editing. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> anyway, our first question comes from 6K. Uh, question for the podcast. Last week, you were discussing how we should maybe get rid of fear effects. Uh, in previous podcasts, you mentioned how racial should be tossed. Now, I ask you this. Should weapon requirements by class also be removed? I mean, shouldn't everyone be able to wield their own Ashkandi? Uh, yes. F- yes. We, we talked about this a lot, I think. Um Straight if you on. want to have a wizard with a big two-handed sword, I
1: have no problem with this. Um I honestly you'd also have to toss like the the strength versus intelligence versus agility weapon thing. You'd have to just make it like they'd have a stock uh attack power thing that counted both its attack power and spell power, but I would not have a problem with that.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, like I think it would just make for much more interesting gameplay and honestly, probably easier itemization for folks as well. Uh, and that might be part of the reason why they don't do it. I don't know. Again, I'm not part of the development team, so I don't have any extra insight into it. But I think like something like that would also make things like the whole loot system that they have in place a little more bearable.
1: Yeah. Um, for one thing, uh, one of the things i've seen is is an is an example is there's one there's this that can drop from certain bosses because we have demon hunters and they have to have weapons so Warglaives exist on the on the loot roll nobody but demon hunters can use Warglaives.
0: uh i thought
1: yeah no you're right they are the only one that can yeah. uh, meanwhile if it's an agility dagger i mean there are various people who can use it but it's not good for sh- for enhancement shaman they're they're much more itemized towards you know Bigger, slower weapons, uh, like maces, and so forth. Nope. Oh, do they do they actually like agi daggers? They, they like, daggers they, like too fast.
0: they like agi They like I know they
1: like agi, but they don't like the agi dagger because of the speed. But then again, weapon speed might not even really matter. Weapon anymore. speed
0: doesn't matter anymore. Everything's been yeah.
1: been normalized. So you've got like you know daggers that are used by a few classes. You've got um, axes. I actually like that they gave rogues axes a few years back because mm-hmm. it felt like you know why shouldn't. There's already enough stuff in the game that's pretty restrictive that I don't see a benefit to making it so you know only this class can use this weapon. Um, I can see if you want to and if you want to keep certain things like if they wanted to keep stats on the weapon, so like sure your 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 wizard your mage can use a ashkandi, but it, it's got strength on it or whatever. I think actually ashkandi has attack power, not strength. Attack power. Uh, yeah. So. If you can use Ashkandi, but it's not going to really do what you want as a mage. That's fine, if that's what you want to do. It, it would just mean, for one thing, it would just mean that you could transmog more stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine, you know, you could transmog and you, you could use Ashkandi as a staff. Why the heck not? It's practically a boat paddle. It's not really a sword. I mean, if you looked at that thing?
0: Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right.
1: You know, so... I would totally be okay with it. I would be okay with, like, shamans running around using swords. I I totally have no problem with it. I could see, like, you can make an argument that it doesn't work for, like, an orcish shaman, because orcs apparently have a real problem with swords. Looking at you for all. Uh, But why would a draenei not have problems with swords? Or a dwarf. Yeah, a dwarf. A a dwarf, again, I can kind of see them focusing more on axes and maces, but I don't. I feel like a dwarf wouldn't turn their nose up at a sword if it if it showed up.
0: Valpara goblin like yeah. Valpara, vul- I could I could see a, I, legitimately if they were to put scimitars in the game, which I think they do have a scimitar model. There are uh, a couple that look similar, I, Yeah, one hundred and ten percent would transmog into that on my Valpara. One hundred percent. But like, I, I just think it's an antiquated idea at this point that unless there's unless it has a specific purpose for. The speed at which gear gets distributed to players, I personally think they should get rid of it. I think that everybody should be able to wield whatever the heck they want.
1: And I think with the personal loot the way it is, that's that's harder to justify, that yeah. idea that, you know, because it's not like I'm in competition with anybody for this piece of gear. I'll either get it or I don't. It's the boss will drop it specifically for me or they won't drop it for me. I can't coin roll stuff anymore. So that's not an issue
0: can't trade um, it if i get an axe that, you know, isn't good for yeah. me but uh, is for somebody else if that's axe's ISI level that restriction's still there so that's still yep. that still covers that. So there really isn't much reason to like
1: restrict weapons, you know. All it means is that this weapon on this boss's loot table won't drop for a character who's who can't use it. And that's fine, mm-hmm. but if the character could use it and then it dropped for them, they they would use it. If, if you know, if a great big two-handed sword dropped that would give a mage just as much power as a staff would, if it does the same stuff for the mage, then they would be just, they would be happy to have it. They wouldn't care that it was a sword. Maybe a few would, but then again, if, if they could equip it, then they could transmog it to a staff if they really didn't want to have the sword model, mm-hmm. you know? And I just, I, I do think my answer to should weapon requirements by classes also be removed? My answer is yes.
0: I'm firmly that is, in that camp as well.
1: Yeah.
0: But thank you very much for that 6K. Uh and if anybody from Blizzard is uh listening, you know what you need to do now. Uh the next one completely greetings.
1: ignore us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course. Uh greetings. I am a longtime listener, but this is my first time writing to you. I have a warrior question for Rossi. Well, I'll just I'll just set this one out then. Uh as someone who just started raiding, I used LFR for Sire the other day as a Fury Warrior. Well, they lost the tank when I arrived and asked if any plate wearer were tank, so I volunteered. Luckily, I picked up a decent sword and board through leveling. I warned them all I was, not a tank, not geared for, nor geared for it. I gave it my best, but we wiped at 20% and I died twice myself. Everyone in the raid gave me praise for some attempting to tank, being under geared, and not a tank. Luckily, some proper geared tanks came in after we wiped, so we were able to take them down in two more shots. Rossi, as a warrior, should I start to learn to tank more in case this should come up again? Also, as Fury, when should I intervene? I have been watching a lot of videos and did not realize... Intervene was necessary as a Fury warrior. Thank you for your time, Ozno, a Fury warrior from Warm West Accord.
1: Um, as for the the second question, I'll answer first. You should be using intervene to like you know either get yourself some rage because you'll take damage, or just to to help out. Um, you, you just want to help out your group and keep, you know, if somebody looks like they're gonna get splatted, somebody is like gonna take a lot of damage. You can intervene and take some of the damage. Uh, those are both worth doing. Uh, It depends really on your your raid strats and people. Some of the stuff you see intervening in videos, that's like next level stuff. And you don't necessarily need to worry about it, you know, while you're just playing normally. But yeah, Intervene is basically, it's a good defensive cooldown for you to use to help other people out. Like if you know the tank's going to take a ton of damage, you could Intervene and you'll take some of it. Uh, You know, it's not worth doing if you're going to die. So be careful with this. Like, you know, if you're going to get yourself killed, you just meet now that the guild has to decide, do we raise that DPS or do we leave him dead? The um,
0: can, well, interesting <laughs> life, interesting life act though. If you have a restoration shaman in your group and you're sitting in the middle of SLT and you pop intervene, uh, you can essentially double dip on the 10% damage reduction. Uh, it is a cool little trick that uh, you can use and utilize to your best ability. Um, because it essentially gives you the 10% off the damage that you have coming in originally 10% off the damage coming into the person that is taking the damage and another 10% applied for the damage that is being transferred from intervene because it is treated as a separate source. You're welcome. Yeah. So that that's one thing to consider
1: Uh, in terms of what, you know, you know, should I start to learn to tank more in cases should come up? You should do it. If you want to do it, you should never do it just because you think you have to do it. You do not have to tank because you are playing a warrior that the time when that was the case in world of warcraft is gone they have made so many viable tanks some of them more viable than warriors right now quite frankly that there is no reason you as a dps warrior should feel forced to do it it was nice that you did it that was a nice thing to do do i think that you should know how to tank absolutely i think tanking is an incredibly important part of being a warrior and I always make sure to keep my skills up I, I keep conversant in it I tank dungeons from time to time I even go and like you know just tank okay I'll tank in this this LFR just to keep myself you know con- conversant with what what the current status is that's and that's if you want to do it do it absolutely I recommend doing it warrior tanking can be really fun and engaging but you should never do it just because you think well I have to be ready to do this for you know the LFRs I run that that's not how LFR works. That's not how it should work. That you feel forced to do a role that you didn't sign up for just to keep them going. Um, but if you want to do it, sure, absolutely. It's it's good to it's good to know how to do it. Prot is a great soloing spec. It trades off damage. You don't do as much damage, but you could pull like eight things. Prot warriors don't die, yeah. man. It's crazy. Yeah. And and with the right build, you can do a lot of shield slam damage and you can really keep, you know, Shockwave with it hits multiple... If you hit more than three things with Shockwave, it's back in, like, no time. Mm-hmm. And you can just... You can keep groups stunned and just smack around on them. You know, it, it can be a lot of fun. So I would... I'm definitely, like, totally down for you doing it. And I think it's cool that you did do it. And I'm glad your raid recognized that you were doing something that you were not comfortable doing to try and help them out. I'm glad that they were cool about it. But you should never you shouldn't do it just in case this comes up. You should do it because, Oh, I'm interested in doing this. I want to see how this works. It's not the same thing as like, you know, I've, I've switched to tanking several times throughout my quote unquote career. Um, I remember one time I actually, I started as DPS, uh, in cataclysm and that was what I was doing for most of the expansion. And then the guild I was in at the time, the horde guild. Yes. I played horde for, for quite a long time, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, they needed someone to tank and I, I'm like, all right, I, I've tanked in previous expansions. Uh, I was actually on my servers, uh, first Yogg-Saron kill. And I was on my server's first, uh, Lich King kill both in rats. So I, I do have some, some knowledge how a tank. And so I switched over and we did pretty well. Uh, we, 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 we killed both death wings. Uh, and I then got recruited into another guild. Uh, funny thing, story, Job was in this guild. Yep. Uh, and they did it every. They did everything completely differently. Like every fight was different. I oh was yeah. Like, How is this? This is weird, man. You, you don't do any of these fights the way I, I. I'm I'm ready to do it. And it was funny because people were like, "Oh, well, then what do you do? What What do you like?" And they actually asked me. Like I was like, "Oh, okay." And I I, I shared the things we did. Some of them worked for this group. Some of them really didn't. Uh, and that was fine. But that's the fun for me of tanking is if you have a good tank group, like if you've got two or three tanks in your group, that can be really fun because you can bounce ideas off each other. You can each have your own strengths. Th- th- that kind of thing is great. Tanking can be really fun.
0: Yeah. And, and honestly, you... tank healing, not to cut you off there real quick, but like you reminded me because that was during the time period where Matt and I, I think really bonded uh, because Matt was my tank and I was the, the healing lead. So, I was in charge of distributing heals and, and doing the work because that was just what you did at the time as a carryover from vanilla. And Matt and I had such a deep appreciation, Matt, for how I healed and could react so quickly to what happened with him. But the me dude
1: dropped cooldowns like nobody's fucking business.
0: <laughs> they were still in PT thirteen territory. Um but I respected Matt and bonded with Matt over his use of cooldowns and knowing how to use them and cycle through them in a way that made it that legitimately there were a couple fights where Matt and I were the last two standing. A tank Mm -hmm. and a healer would get the boss kill because we he would keep me alive by making sure nothing hit me, and I would keep him alive because I would put his hit points back in. And it was super, super fun. Um spine of death is oh yeah always gonna be that fight like <laughs> that, that was that, that was the one we got the we got the kill we were the the first kill we had as, in that guild was matt and i doing the last the last like i don't five percent knew. or something like that
1: yeah it was crazy i don't think your the guild knew how that fight worked Mm-mm. for tanking Nope. i don't think you guys had really had a chance to really do it nope so yeah that was that was a fun hopscotch of a fight uh and Joe's was actually was at a disadvantage because he was healing on a shaman. That's a fight that everybody told you you needed a priest for.
0: Yep, that was the, the and, that at the point where shaman were the weakest.
1: Yeah, and so it was actually really funny. But my point is... Unless it's if, fun. If, yeah, unless it's fun for you, unless you like to tank. And, and you'll only find out by doing. So that's, you know, go out and give it a few shots to try again. If you like it, then by all means, you know. It's like healing on a class or whatever. If it's if it's fun for you, if you like it, do it because you'll you know, there's lots of benefits to doing it besides just the fact that you'll get groups easier. Um, But if you're not liking it, don't do it. Absolutely Mm -hmm. don't do it because you'll just be unhappy. Everybody else will just be unhappy and you'll get the group that isn't nice about it. And that'll just make everybody feel worse. So, yeah, my suggestion to you is. Do it if you like doing it. Do it if it's enjoyable to you. That would be basically it. And, and yeah, absolutely make friends with your healers. Like, holy cow. <laughs> I don't get, like, there are, there are tanks who don't, they don't ever think about the healers. They don't worry about healer mana. They don't, they don't protect them. And I don't understand this. This is like everything about how I learned how to tank. Is about you keep the healers alive. I don't care how many DPS you have to let die. You keep the healers alive. That's just beaten into me by, by years of playing this game. And so the idea of a tank who just runs ahead and doesn't pay attention to the healer, it's like, ah, Oh, my heart, you know, it just <laughs> does not work for me.
0: Yeah. And I, and I will say just to, not to be leaguer or anything, because it, it's a, it's a good topic. It's a good question. And Matt really got the heart of it. It's, Try it, and if you like it, then yes. If you don't like it, don't do it. Don't feel pressured into it. Um, and there's no fast and loose rule for it. Like, I really like tanking on my warrior, um, mostly due to Matt, like, and him walking me through it. And teaching me like the funner things that I can do. Some of the real dumb things that I love to do on my warrior are because Matt showed me, hey, this is fun. You should hit these buttons and do this instead. Um but that's fun for me. I like tanking on my bear. That's fun for me. I hate tanking on my paladin. I will not do it. I don't like tanking on my death knight anymore. I will not do it. Um but it's just And you try- should do it. Yeah. <laughs> it it's just it's try it. Try it, and if you like it, continue on. And if you don't, don't feel pressured to do it. Absolutely. Alright. Uh our next one. Hi, folks. Not as rantish as last week, so here goes. Uh, and this is from Easy Target, who's much calmer this week, so I appreciate that. Easy, I, I, I see you, I feel you. Uh, two two particular questions. We'll start with the first one. Lore: What is the story of Blackthorn? I did not even know it was a game until like 2013, which, by the way, you can play on the uh, Blizzard Arcade Pack, which yep. is on BattleNet right now uh okay I, I i'm gonna just let's just go through this really fast yeah okay you you play
1: a guy whose name is actually like john Blackthorne. i don't remember his like kyle. full name kyle Blackthorne. thank you and it turns out that you're actually from another world that you got sent to earth as a child and you grew up as a special forces soldier and and you look a lot like a jim lee character because jim lee drew the art for the original game and you have to go back to the weird world you're from and fight the strange wizard who's stolen the magic gem that you know was supposed to help create you know create peace in this world it's it's not a tremendously deep game lore wise it's basically just an excuse for you to be doing like a nintendo-esque side scrolling shooter from that era and and it's a good game like it actually has a lot of fun to play but it's very much of a piece of that kind of game where Mm -hmm. the plot is Barely even there. It's just there to scaffolding to hold levels of, of shooting. You know, that's that's it. It yeah. is. It, this is before games. I think it it predates Doom. I'm not,
0: not the original Doom. I think but yeah. ninety four. I want to say. From okay. So,
1: so yeah. So Doom had been out for a bit. Yeah. But it's it is not a, a complex game. The story is not particularly. I want to know your lore about it, and even now I'm having a trouble remembering. and, and I've played this game. It's just, yeah, it's 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 not. True. You, you you win, you beat the guy who who killed your dad, and you become king of this weird world of. I think I want to say Scovos, but I don't even remember. Tool the name, Tool Z T
0: U U L Tool.
1: Yeah, Tool. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Basically, Maynard, you know, Maynard should just come out and say. <laughs>
0: So, it yeah. it, and it was very much a game of that time too. It was very much you could tell it was a game that was designed by people who were into into metal, into sort of that heavy metal style uh, of art. Uh, they they were definitely trying to to channel that, uh, in, then like the nineties cartoon era. Uh, Jim 90s Lee did the cover era. art, guys. Yeah, Jim Lee yeah, did seriously. the cover art. It is, it, and they they took that they took that to heart. Uh, yeah, they, but like, like Matt said, it's not a terribly complex game. Fun, just not not terribly complex. Um, the second question that Easy Target asks us is a mechanical one, uh, which is when will they access Legion time Two expects after seems to have been the rule. I think we're going to be a little bit later than expected on that. And if anything, cause we are two through really and i think maybe towards the end of this expansion we might hear tale of it but this is another one where i think COVID has kind of put that on a a back burner right it's not as important as some of the other content getting legion into time walking status is is not something that they they kind of like they they did the raid stuff right they did the legacy raid stuff with it already
1: uh well no they did uh they did back in legion they did burning crusade time walking so that you could get the the glaives on your on your uh demon hunter
0: right But um, i mean like did, didn't they change like the loot and encounters and stuff like that specifically they, they, for people going for transmog now they made legion stuff yeah they put legion stuff on the
1: the the, the gear thing for it would have been it wouldn't have been up yet they they put it on the the rotation in battle for azeroth at the end of battle for azeroth so you could go farm legion stuff and get gear uh that otherwise it wouldn't have been dropping as freely it, you basically Battle for Azeroth would have would have stopped at warlords and now just now we would have been getting legion uh for transmog hunting where you can go back and everything possibly can drop uh and there's no restrictions they they put that in early back in, in the end of Battle for Azeroth before any of the stuff with with covid was happening they just did it cuz they knew it's going to be a while before mm-hmm. this comes out and then it was even more of a while before this came out and yeah so they, I don't think they're gonna. I I would be surprised if it comes out before nine point two. In fact, I would not expect it till closer to the nine point three. Uh, it might be a point two five type thing, like during a point five patch, they might put it in. I mean, I'm sure they're working on it. Yeah, but I doubt it's. I doubt it is their focus. There's a lot of stuff that needs to get done right now. Like we just dropped nine point one.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I would say. If I had a hazard, the earliest maybe nine point two point five, maybe it's going to be towards the tail end. I think if if it's going to pop off at all, I I think we'll see it, and I think we'll see it before the end of this expansion. uh, But it'll be closer to the end. Uh, Hopefully, that answers your target or your question. Easy target. Uh, We're going to move on to our next one, which is from Adele uh, from Argent Dawn, dear. Before you do, before you do, Adele. I have to say, I kept thinking Adele. The, the, singer. the singer.
1: So I was reading your email to myself, but I was reading it to me and like, you know, hello from the other side.
0: I, I was, was going like, to say, I was going to ask if Adele set fire to the rain.
1: Yeah, it was it was very much like that. So <laughs> I, I don't know why I felt the need to bother you with that. But, you know, here we are.
0: <laughs> uh, but dear podcasters, I'm a bit sad. People tend to forget that I exist. Well, obviously not me as much, but my character spec. I'm talking about feral druids. All proper DPS druids default as balance. My raid leader, a very nice person and a good leader, almost always forgets that I'm melee and can do interrupts. Oh well. I understand that top DPS druids tend to be balance, and that's okay. Balance is a fun spec to play and brings huge DPS potential with good utility. And is ranged. Uh, But feral druids do solid DPS, especially in single target fights, and also can do uncapped AoE as a melee. Still, I have a nagging feeling that I should switch to balance to be competitive. And it really doesn't matter on the level we raid, but I have some old min-maxing tendencies from more intense raiding years. I have an actual question here, just needed to get that all out of my mind first. Uh, Before I get into the actual question... I feel this because I have a nasty tendency with min-maxing. You can ask Liz from Blizzard Watch uh, how bad that got at the beginning of this expansion with me. I feel you on that. Trust me. Um, I think anybody who ever rated anything remotely progression... It's its a hard habit yeah. to kick.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was, a t- there was a time in my life when I was doing things like race switching to Night Elf just to push more stuff off the table to mm-hmm. get that extra 1% dodge so we could kill, you know... Heroic Anubarak.
0: I race changed and, uh, to High Mountain for the versatility.
1: Yeah, there, there is, there's
0: lots of stuff like that.
1: Yeah, uh, it is. I'm going to say this much: don't beat yourself up for that, but do recognize it and try to get over it.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. you're not, if you're not in the situation where it's necessary anymore, don't do it to yourself. It's, yeah. it's, it's really annoying to do that to yourself. Because you end up like being obsessed with like chasing like this last little bit of stat. And it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not worth it.
0: But let's move on to your actual questions here. Uh, so why do we forget that some specs exist or don't seriously consider them? Feral druids and survival hunters come to mind. Uh, are there any others? Should all specs be competitive? Should we have a niche or otherwise not much played specs with post-wrath talent trees and spec system? And most importantly... Could you show us Feral's some love? Um, first of all, I love Feral Druid. I think it is a ton of fun. I actually prefer it to Rogue. Sorry, Rogue's out there. Um, I think it is ridiculously fun. I love playing a blink cat, and I think it is super, super fun. And honestly, one of our top DPS in my guild, who is a min-maxing, sciencing, lovable cat, Corv. Shout out to Corv. He's Feral. He always has been. Doesn't switch to balance and he's remains very competitive, but that he John Madden's the heck out of everything he does. He's I've watched him play. I don't think I have that reaction time. It is ridiculous, um, but I have nothing but respect for it. Honestly, I have nothing but respect for any melee in this expansion, because as somebody who's been playing a survival hunter and very much enjoying it, uh, sorry out there, haters, I like survival. Um this is not a melee friendly expansion. And we joke about that all the time. We've that's been a joke for years, but holy heck do these fights not like melee, not even close. Um, Like I didn't realize that because my DPS spec on my shaman has been elemental for a while, but that's also another spec that doesn't get a whole lot of love. Uh If you look at we talk about the race of world first stuff at the beginning of the show, they didn't have an elemental shaman. They had an Enhancement Shaman, because the Enhancement Shaman had competitive DPS and gave a boost to everybody else around them. Elemental Shaman really don't. And that's a spec that could probably use some love. It's still a ton of fun to play. I mean, you're throwing lightning and fire at things. How can you not have fun with it? Um, but I think we forget about specs when they aren't talked about very frequently. Um, case in point, rogues, and, and I'll kick this out there. I don't think my guild has had a, a steady rogue in... I want to say since Throne of Thunder, so that's been a it's been a hot minute, and it's one of those things where it's just out of sight, out of mind. You don't see a rogue in your group, you don't see a rogue in your guild, or somebody actively playing it. You forget that they exist sometimes, and then you see a rogue, or you get a rogue in a group, and all of a sudden, whoa, wait, yeah, that's right, those things exist, and it's just kind of an out of sight, out of mind thing, and it's different for everybody too, right? Like there's a time where Prot Warriors were were ghosts. Uh, There's a time where. Resto Shaman were ghosts and it sort of just runs through it. I I don't think it's a malicious thing. It's just you don't tend to think about it if you don't deal with it rather frequently. Uh, And also it tends to be a a volumetric thing as well. Um, If you have a group that has one of something and you have 30 other players in that group, good Mm -hmm. chances you're probably not going to think about that one individual spec. Um, My group right now has four druids? Two of them are healers. One of them is a t- or no five two of them are tanks and one of them is is uh feral we don't have a balanced druid i forgot that they existed because i haven't seen anybody throwing around moonfire spam if it isn't a mythic plus so i think it just rotates what do you think matt
1: well i think you've kind of hit the head and the nail head in one thing that it basically depends on what you're seeing around you that that affects that kind of thing if if you're running a guild and you don't see you know if you have got like one feral druid because you're the one feral druid you're you're saying you would probably be more you're, you're more thinking about the various balanced druids you've got because a this expansion is the the jokes i tell about melee are the kind of jokes you tell about something that it's like it's real and it hurts but you you tell a joke because what else are you going to do you know am i going to sit around and weep for 35 minutes yes absolutely i am but i'm not doing it in front of you um <laughs> So that's, that's one possibility. It, it is really certain specs don't, don't do well because of, of things that, that make them what they are, because of expectations people have. Like if the groups don't – one of the problems we have, we talked about meta-thinking before. And one of the things about meta-thinking is it is based on people who push content to its absolute limit. And that's – it's fine and all. Like you see people like right now the, 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 tank, of, the tank of love in Mythic Plus is, is a, a demon hunter. Because, demon hunters are absolutely the most kiteable tank out there.
0: Yeah, too much They're movement.
1: They're just incredibly mobile. They can do a ton of threat in bursts to get stuff stuck to them, and then run off and jump away and do the whole. You know, they are extremely mobile and extremely good at sticking things to themselves, and then so they can just go off and engage more. Um, this makes them. You know, very, very sought after tanks. They also have the good ability to mitigate magic damage and so forth and so on. They are very strong tanks. They are very good at kiting. That doesn't mean other tanks can't do them, but they can't quite, you know, if you're trying to push this thing as hard as you can, uh, a talented Demon Hunter tank is is just straight up better for it than, say, a talented Death Knight Mm -hmm. or a talented Paladin. Uh, A warrior, warriors are like the second best at everything all the time. They're always, like, the second best at anything. They're never the best. Like, if you look at the t- various tanks, warriors haven't been the best at any particular thing, but they're always, like... Everyone else is, like, got one thing they're really great at and one thing they're terrible at. Warriors will usually be right behind them in everything. Like, you know, number two in everything. They're, they're very good general tanks. So a warrior could absolutely do this dungeon, but he's not going to do it quite as well as the, as the Demon Hunter. And so the and- Demon Hunter wins out, and people just gravitate to it because it becomes the the, the I don't want to say the zeitgeist but I don't the know the word to use. It becomes what people are told is the right thing to do, not necessarily what is the right thing to do for your particular group. This is so,
0: this, this mm-hmm. is what I this is what I I refer to as as meta inflation, right? Like and this is a thing across all games. It's not just WoW, but any video game that existed that involves multiple people, even tabletop games, you'll hear people talk about the meta. And the meta is real or perceived. It is a ranking that winds up being passed down colloquially and through the community that sometimes worms its way in, like with demon hunters being the best at it and sometimes causing that to be overlooked by others, because that is the meta. If people have learned that demon hunters can, you know, double jump and zip away and do all this other stuff for kiting, um, warriors can do some of that stuff too, man. Heroic leap is a heck of a fun thing. Um, but they don't do it nearly as well, so people tend to, to not remember that. And then they don't have the same hit point bucket that druids do, because druids are just sacks of hit points, right? Um, but they have the same problem in 40k, they have the same problem in Age of Sigmar, we have the same problem in D&D sometimes as well, where people will tell you specific classes aren't good. Um, they're perfectly fine. They may not just do that one specific thing to this particularly like high echelon yeah, like, the, people will
1: always have the, you know, which which character class does the best melee damage? And you'll always hear, well, paladins because of smites, rogues. And it's like the fighter doesn't have a lot of the fancier stuff that other classes have, like the barbarian or the, the paladin or the rogue. But what they do have is an incredibly broad array of abilities they can pick up. Yeah. And that's kind of like the the warrior in, the, in, in, in World of Warcraft. But all I'm saying is, in terms of your, like, feral druid, or Survival Hunters, or what have you. There are others, like, for instance, I mentioned today the Arms Warriors were in that kill on Sylvanas, and people would be, you know, normally people are like, you don't want to bring an Arms Warrior, but they had three of them. Um, should all specs be competitive in a perfect world? Absolutely.
0: But we don't live in a vacuum, so yeah. unfortunately uh, that'll never happen.
1: So the problem is, is that not only is it a case where people hear that this class is only good, is. Is the best so that's what they're looking for So they don't select the other classes So those classes don't get to show what they can do That's one problem There's the fact that every group is different And made of a different composition So like for instance you're in a group Where you're like you the lone feral druid There are other groups where there's like three feral druids um, well, So mean, that, that that affects it Let's yeah, go back. Because...
0: Let's go. Let's go back to the, the 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 story that we told back at Cataclysm, right? Mm-hmm. Matt Matt as a warrior tank was not the first choice in, in Cataclysm tanking at that time. I was definitely not the first choice, but like that's also the time period in which I ranked like six in the world in blues. On uh, I I can't remember the name of the fight, Cameron uh because I knew what the heck I was doing and could showcase it. And before that, they were like, we're not ever going to take a rest of shaman. They're they're garbage. They, they suck. We're never going to take them. And then I did that and they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take it. Right. So like you, Matt's right though. Like if you get into this thing where sometimes people just don't give you the opportunity to showcase what that class can do, like in the case of Feral, like, and I'll go back to, to my friend Korv. He is absolutely insane. He is ridiculously good and he's fun when he does it like he's joking and laughing and having a good time while he's doing it so he's a joy to be around like and he gets to showcase what that class can do when he's not sciencing and throwing himself through weird voids and holes in the floor because that's what he does because i'm pretty sure he's a cat in real life and just a trench coat um but yeah like it's play what you want to play and do the best that you can do as yourself don't change for anybody else. And I'm a big proponent of this. Like, playing something that you don't want to do is not fun, it wears on you, it causes burnout, and it makes you resent the game. We're here and to... Plus, we're here to yeah, have fun. Have
1: fun. Also, I'm going to say specs always come up and go down. The game... I've been playing this game since it came out. Warriors have been on top, they've been on the bottom, they've been on the top again, they've been in the middle, they've been on the top, they've been on the middle, been on the bottom. It just... Every class does this. Every class will have its moment. Every class will have its time to shine, And then every class will eventually get nerfed or get changed or have talents changed. If you like playing it, ultimately that's going to be the strongest through line for you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the thing that keeps it... You know, should they all be competitive? Absolutely, they should all be competitive. Um, are we going to have niche and not much played specs? Yes, we're always going to have that. Because the game will change. Rules will change. Players will come and go. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, I will say this much, uh, going back to, like, talking about what we've been talking about, like, about, you know, specs and classes, one of, like, one of the best DPS players I ever knew, and this is back in, like, this is back in BC and into part of Wrath. This player originally played on a hunter and and mained a hunter for a long time. They had a Shadow Priest alt, and when they came in on their Shadow Priest alt, at at a time when Shadow Priests were really liked mostly for mana batteries.
0: They were reviled otherwise, yeah.
1: Yeah. He did incredible amounts of damage. Just insane amounts of damage. He, he outpaced our warlocks. And they all admitted it. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's kicking our butts. Just did nuts amounts of damage. Then in Wrath, he decided he wasn't going to play the Shadow Priest Alt anymore. Uh, he wanted to play something different. So he went Enhancement Shaman in Wrath of the Lich King and was our top DPS uh, for half of Ice Crown Citadel. Top dps the number one dps player, nobody did more damage than him on like half the fights now there's reasons for that there was there was some good aoe that there were reasons why an enhancement shaman could do a lot of damage on those fights, but nevertheless, it was that guy mm-hmm. it was that person who who really brought that level of of dps it was that because he went in he like learned his class. He knew he learned, okay, this is exactly what I have to do to exploit this class. A good player will be a good player. And if you enjoy what you're doing, you'll be a better player than if you're not enjoying. We already said this for the tanking thing, but I think it bears repeating. If you're not if you're liking being on feral, just be feral. Don't worry about it. Because unless you are in limit or or echo, you don't really have to worry about that kind of thing. You're not you're not trying to game the system to get as far as possible. With the least amount of, of of pulling. You know what I'm saying? Just play in the game. Play the game at your own pace.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and if being uber competitive is how you want to play it, that's one thing. But just have fun. It's a game. And I and I think that's... And I can go on a whole side tangent with this, but I think that's something people forget about way too often and way too quickly. Is that at the end of the day, this is a game we want to be having fun and you should be having fun. If you're not having fun, that's a problem. So, And we talk about that a lot. But I think we can move on unless there's anything else you want to throw out there. No, I think we're good. All right. Uh, and shout out to all the feral druids out there. I see you. I appreciate you. I'll keep my chain heels and my healing right on you. Don't worry. Uh, This one comes from Matt Demon. Question for whoever. Looking through the loot drops for some rares and chests on Wowhead and saw that one of the new research items was called a Core of an Unknown Titan. How could this have gotten there and what could it mean? You can get multiples of these and I was under the impression that Ourobos type attendants ran the place, not brokers. What could the implications mean, seeing as titans aren't supposed to go to the titan lands upon death? Uh, we don't know that it has anything to do with Titans being dead. We don't know what happens after a Titan gets up out of their shell. We don't know what happens to the planet. This could be what's left at the core of the planet. This could be something that just exists when a Titan is born. Uh, there, there could be any number of these things, and it could also just be randomly called a Titan core. If anything, and we'll probably talk about this on Lore Watch at some point, uh, possibly this week, since we haven't recorded Lore Watch yet. Um, they just released or are in the process of releasing a new book, the grimoire of the Shadowlands. And in it is the concept of something that we've been saying for a very long time is that you can't necessarily believe everything you read in Chronicle, despite the fact that it exists and is a point of, of truth to an extent it's written from a particular point of view. And we've brought this up before. Our point of view is generally from the Titans because our knowledge is basically watered down and filtered through them, their creations, their children, and the stuff they left behind. So everything we think we know is sort of colored by a very specific viewpoint. The brokers, on the other hand, have a very different viewpoint, including how the cosmology works. So what we call a Titan core may not be a Titan core. It may not be that important at all. It could just be a thing. And also, we know that brokers have been around Oribos all the time. They par- they're they practically squatting there. We know that they can travel between dimensions and they will trade with anyone, just like ethereals. So it is not outside their own possibility that they come bearing something that says, Hey, I've got this from leftover from a uh, world soul that hatched eons ago. What do you give me for it? And then it just winds up somewhere else because again, the attendants... They might not uh, ascribe the same value to that later on or the same value at all to it, because to them, again, what they deal with in their world, what they deal with in their realm of existence, completely different than us and their values completely skewed. I am looking at you, steak a la mode. Um, It's it's hard to determine what it actually means. It could mean literally nothing. And it could just be something in there. It could also be something specifically that they put in there to mess with us because I know dang well, they've done that before. I'm looking at you, Steve. Um, so who knows? <laughs> what do you think? Matt? Well,
1: I think first off, we have to remember too, that just as um, Chronicle is said to be written from the perspective of the Titans, not necessarily by the Titans, but by beings that are simpatico with the Titans, Uh the, The Grimoire of the Shadowlands is written by beings like the brokers. It's written by beings that are, you know, native to the Shadowlands and think the Shadowlands are more important. You know, it's it's the whole unreliable narrator thing. You have to take that into account when you read these things, because they're not this is not an encyclopedia written from like a neutral uh, out of game perspective. It is written with the in-game lore as part of its composition. It's the story that it tells uh, is part of that. So for all we know, the grimoire of the Shadowlands is no more reliable or accurate than Chronicles have been.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it, it's telling you a story of the Shadowlands, but it's telling you from the perspective of the beings that live in the Shadowlands. We do know that even Titans can be manipulated because uh, they were by the Nathraism. Uh, we now know the Nathraism. If you've been playing 9.1, you now know the Nathraism are directly related to Sires and Nathraeus, just like, you know, people have been saying this whole time ever since the, uh, the Unseen Guests. Even you know, before that,
0: when people started saying that when they saw the model for Denathrius. Yeah,
1: and the uh, the Gargoyle people. Yep. The Stoneborn, they looked very similar as well. So, yeah, there's been a, there's been some revelations that, that changed the way we look at how these forces and beings interact. We don't know yet the relationship between the Titans and the, the quote-unquote pantheon of death, the Eternal Ones. There does seem to be some sort of relationship between the Winter Queen and loon. The Winter Queen keeps saying, my sister. Uh, She doesn't, like, she doesn't clarify what this means. She doesn't ever say, my sister, Elune, who is like me, one of the Eternal Ones and, you know, native of the Shadowlands. She just says, my sister, and doesn't go into any further details. But she's done it a couple times now. Uh, If you see the bit with, if you've, the 9.1 quests involving Taronda, we go into more detail uh, about that. Although not not very much, but Mm -hmm. there it is brought up, the... The Winter Queen directly intercedes in the Night Warrior explosions. So I would say that basically right now we don't know. We don't know. We know that Titans don't go to the Shadowlands, which would imply that the way Titans die, if they die, is a different thing. Like maybe death is not something that actually happens to them. Maybe that's why Norganon could save them when when Sargeras was trying to destroy them with fell because they don't really die he could grab their and their spirits and fling them across the cosmos i don't know that's not been determined but like when we beat argus he left stuff behind so yeah who knows we we'll, we may find out yet um if ultimately we got to find out that argus didn't die and thus can you know somehow be saved i would actually be happy about that cuz i think argus got a really raw deal over the the you know 25000 years But regardless, things are still in flux. We're still looking, we're we're still finding more stuff out. Right now, what we really know is that everything we thought we knew is just kind of the surface layer. It's sort of like you're looking at the top of the water and you see stuff, you know, fish occasionally jump up, you see things happen, but there's a lot of stuff below the surface of the water you haven't seen yet. And Shadowlands is our first dunk into the water, getting to see, okay, now we can see the stuff here, but we, we haven't dive deep yet. There's a lot more down there we can still yet see. That that would be what I would say on the subject of what the Titan cores even are.
0: I mean, let's let's be honest folks. We're 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 not even we're we're just done with the first act. Things are about to get weirder, wilder, and our world view is going to shift. Our universe view is going to shift. It's going to be weird. We're and gonna be
1: finding out more stuff about the first ones. We're gonna be finding out and more stuff about a loon.
0: We're gonna be finding out more stuff about the Drust. We we've got a lot that are gonna be popping up. And it's gonna be glorious. Uh, anything else you want to add to that one I trust that it'll be glorious I think you made a good point there yeah excellent uh our next question comes from marilyn question for either podcast can you help me with the timeline of 9.1 there's a campaign story taking place over several weeks but spoilers we have already scenes of all good all five seals and take off with anduin two parts currently unknown leaving sylvanas behind in the new raid meant to take place immediately after the last sigil but before an army of bone and steel at renowned 47 i honestly don't know how the timeline is all going together right now. And this has always been a problem because with the raid cinematics and and what happens during the raid is slotting that into like what they're doing now, which is again, the first time they've really done something like this with the, the uh, campaigns, the, the Covenant campaigns. It is tricky because technically, like... I'll use the other side as an example. You know it exists, you go through it, you experience the story, but technically it doesn't exist for you until you get to a certain renown level story wise uh, in Ardenweld where you are sent there. Um, and there's really not a good place to put the raid that I know of in that timeline, unless, Matt, you can think of where it would really slot in.
1: Yeah, I think you've, this has been a kind of a problem we've had in the past with other stuff too, like for instance with Nizoth. Um, the Nazoth, you know, obviously Nazoth was being fought and even killed on raids before everybody had done all of the stuff in the world or like the end of Legion with the whole, you know, the, the Sargeras cinematic after Argus dies, there, there can be some, some issues like when, when do our weapons get destroyed by, by us saving Azeroth? Obviously it happens after Sargeras stabs the planet, but you know, how long after, how long is that wound in there before, you know, the events of battle for Azeroth take place? It can be a little tricky. I think for this one, I don't think the 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 Sanctum of Domination is meant to take place immediately after the last sigil. Uh, I think there is some time. I think Sylvanas retreats uh, back to the Sanctum and you know fortifies it because she knows they're coming for her, and there's some time for build up. Because uh, remember that that's the Sanctum was supposed to be like Solval isn't there. When you go in there, he's not in, in the Sanctum. He's not in what is essentially Torgast. He's not there. He's off doing something else. And we never actually see what it was he was doing. We know that he's got a plan. We know he's getting the sigils. We know he gets the last sigil. Sorry if I'm spoiling things, but come on, guys. Uh, we're talking <laughs> about this. Um, so, yeah. It is tricky. I think it is feasible that it actually takes place after an army of bone and sin- of steel. But I I can't say for sure. Um, it does not. It's not easy for me to line that up. So for right now, that's that'll be what I say.
0: Uh, I don't know if there's anything else really to add to that. So I apologize. But I know it's not a good answer, but it's the best we can give you right now. Uh, and our last question comes from Riptides. Uh, question for something. In Oribos, emissary Silk calls Oribos an ancient engine. What do you suppose that might mean? I mean, it's a funneling engine. If anything else, at its, at its most basic level, uh, it funnels anima. And you see that when they are taking anima from the flow or their stores, opening gateways, uh, and everything that comes into the Shadowlands is being passed through it. Uh, it's a sorting station of sorts. Um, it is an ancient engine, which could mean that it existed forever or that it existed just a long time ago. Time is really meaningless in the Shadowlands. Um, And Emissary Basilk, I don't know if these just re, if they're just reciting what they've been told, um, or what their understanding of it is. Because the other thing, too, is we are not really privy to what other denizens of the Shadowlands know of what's happened or what's existed or what happened before. Like, even the eternal pantheon, the, the pantheon of death, Like, when you're talking with the Winter Queen, she just talks about how she appeared. She doesn't remember what happened before that. She was just there. And the other folks, they understand who the Jailer is to an extent, but not everybody does. They don't know. They just know that he's the banished one. Do they know why he was banished? Do they know what he did? Do they even know what Oribos is there for? Or was it always just there in their minds? We don't know. And that's sort of one of the weird things about it. It's also one of the cool things about it uh, because it's such an uncertainty thing. And Matt and I have posited multiple times on Lorewatch that Oribos is more or less a quote-unquote recent creation that probably may not have existed before they en- en- encapsulated the uh, Zoval into his prison, into his Obulet. So time again being meaningless kind of makes it a little weird to determine what they mean by it. And... By its being an engine, who knows? It could just be the fact that it's, you know, pushing souls where they need to go or animal where it needs to go. Or maybe it's the fact that it's a a center point that can open doors to anywhere in the Shadowlands. We're probably going to find out a lot more about that real soon, uh, probably in the next set of story content, uh, because I have a feeling that it's intricately tied with whatever the Jailer is doing, whatever his plan is. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think that the idea I have for it would take too long to discuss, quite frankly. (laughs) But I will just say this. Think about all the sigils that people are running around getting. Think about where the the last sigil was found and and, and who had it and where they were. And think about if you've got this incredibly complicated series of keys, what are the keys to? And what do you need keys for? Then think about the fact that we've seen that the Maw has all sorts of places in it that look to be like... Ancient and similar to places we see on the other, in the other shadowlands, uh, we've seen Corthia get pulled into the maw. Corthia was clearly floating around in the same in-between void that everything else in the shadowlands has been floating around in you know um, it was obviously a place the Primus thought was relatively secure to hide something. We, what if you want to like if something wasn't necessarily broken but it was deliberately taken apart, you might need a, a something to put it back together again. Um, I will go that far. And that's all I'm going to say right now. We'll probably do a lower watch at some point where I can go into more detail. Yeah. but yeah, it's
0: on the docket. Uh, But I think that's going to do it. And I think that takes us right up to time. So good job, everybody. Thank you for all those questions. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. Better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ad-free site experience. Thank you very
1: much, show. Again, guys, if you have a question for the show, you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show or you can go to our discord and hit up our patron Q and podcast questions channel or our q questions channel and you can ask them there as well uh thank you guys so much for being here with us especially we realize life is really hectic and weird uh this has been the blizzard watch podcast and both of us will be back next week